Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Annie Rugs UK. All things revolution from a UK perspective. Everybody, my name is Mike, and welcome back to the Anywhere's UK podcast. All things revolution from a UK perspective. The year is 2020. We've finally made it, and this is the year of the revolution. I'm very, very excited. We have Bruce Arena in charge now, and everything seems to be slotting into place. We've got a lot to dissect in today's episode, so let's get into it, shall we? First off the bat, I'm very, very proud to announce and thankful to the guys over at MLS UK Show as they are sponsoring this year's episode and season for the AnyRevs UK podcast. Now, if you guys are into MLS soccer or football and you kind of want to know anything about the game in general, it doesn't just fixate on one team, where it's obviously we're all about the revolution over here, then please head over to their website. It's mls.show, so that's www.mls.show. They're back with season three of their weekly podcast as well. And uh, if you want to go and follow them on the socials, it's MLS UK Show. So that's at MLS UK Show. I believe that's over on Twitter and on Instagram as well. So be sure to go and show them some love. As I said, if you're kind of more looking to maybe start your MLS journey, not too sure which team it is that you want to follow and somehow you've stumbled across the NEVs UK podcast, then, uh, you know, I would obviously going to be a little bit biased and say the New England Revolution is the place to be. It's the, the up and coming rising stars of the MLS scene at the moment. But, you know, if, if maybe, you know, the, the cold winters are the thing that get you down the most, then maybe head over to the MLS UK shows, you know, Twitter or just go ahead and list their podcast. And they'll be able to kind of point you in the right direction for all the news of all the teams as we're now up to 26, 26 teams in the MLS. And it's growing even more. I think it's going to be 30 by the year 2022 or something like that. So, uh, yeah, it's an exciting time to obviously get involved in MLS. And we're trying to grow the community in the UK because... You know, it's an exciting league, if I'm perfectly honest, and uh, we're going to be covering some of that kind of why I've got involved in the MLS scene very, very soon. Um, but yeah, it's a very exciting time to kind of be a fan of MLS football. It's it's just, there's, you know, some big players coming across here now. I know a lot of people see it as a retirement league, but I don't see that as the case and never have done, never will do. And uh, it's it's just an exciting league, different rules, completely different mindset and different philosophies. And it's, yeah, fan bases are amazing and really supportive of each other. And it's just an amazing place to do. So obviously I just want to start by saying a massive thank you to the guys over at MLS UK show for giving me this opportunity to sponsor the episodes as well. And to be sure, be sure guys to go and check them out because they uh, produce some really, really high quality, much high quality podcasts than I do. And as I say, it's more kind of an overall review of the MLS uh, world of soccer rather than the kind of small segment which I do which is just the revolution right guys into today's episode I said we've got a lot to cover we've kind of covered the sponsorship bit obviously welcome back first of all welcome back to the podcast uh, this one will be going for the whole season I've basically got a new job my circumstances in my home life have changed which gives me some more time to produce this content now so I'm definitely going to have at least one day a week where I can actually sit down write down some notes, get my thoughts together, even though this is very highly unstructured, and uh, yeah, record an episode. As mentioned, this being highly unstructured, if you are into well-structured, well-thought-out podcasts, this probably isn't the one for you. This is just a British guy rambling about an American soccer team for pretty much half an hour. So if you are interested in that, sit back, relax, grab yourself a snack and a drink, and let's get into this. Right, the off-season has 
normally realistically been quite quiet for the revolution we seem to always leave things to the last second we seem to be a very reactive club not really necessarily very proactive but that's kind of all changed we're not going to kind of dwell on the 2019 season now as good as the back end was it was a very cliche season of two halves we had the brad friedel era where we didn't have any had nothing about us really we just we had no identity as a club we didn't really know where we was going what we we're looking to do the players looked confused we had people playing out of position. It, nothing really clicked for Brad. And, you know, as much as we can sit here and blame Brad Friedel, and I think obviously a lot of it kind of is, is held in his hands, The you know, there's, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we're not aware of. And uh, obviously that came to fruition when obviously Mike Burns and Brad Friedel both left, uh, lost their jobs. And uh, I hope Brad took a lot of learnings from this because, you know, it was, a, it was a tough ask for him to come in and do a job at New England wasn't really given the resources, so there's part of me that does feel slightly sorry for him. But at the same time, you know, he, he, he was kind of technically outclassed a lot of games throughout the season. And it led to, obviously, him unfortunately losing his job. And as I said, I mean, you know, I wish Brad the best of luck and I hope he's taken his learnings from his time here at New England and, uh, you know, wish him best luck in all of his future endeavours. Bruce Arena then came on board and it just goes to show he worked with the same players that, that Brad had at his disposal, Bought in Gustavo Bo, what a signing he was. Got the best out of Carlos Hill, an amazing player, obviously, you know, made the uh, team of the year in MLS as well. And yeah, just, just really kind of developed the team we've got, got them playing to, you know, potentially, you know, some of their players that we had better than we kind of expected from them. Uh, there's a lot of players where he switched my mindset on a lot of players where I kind of thought, you know, that they're not the right player, not the right fit for us. And he completely turned them into, you know, Decent players who can play at this level and you know, hopefully can get bigger and better things from the squad. Talking about the squad, it was the first thing that kind of Bruce addressed. You know, he wanted the three DP signings, bought in Gustavo Bow uh, halfway through last season, and obviously wanted that third DP signing. But before all that happened, you know, there's a few other minor signings that some might say that took place. Uh, we obviously had uh, Damian Rivera coming in. He's a, a homegrown player. I think he comes from uh, Carston Road, Ireland. Very kind of excited to see what he can bring. Not going to lie here. Didn't really know much about the lad. Only seen highlight reels, obviously, on YouTube. So don't really kind of know what his game's about. My kind of expectation of him will be loaned out to the Revolution 2. Hopefully we'll get to see him some game time there. Because I, I can't even see him making maybe the cup run over here at the New England Revolution first team. And we'll talk about the cup run uh, slightly later on as well. Because I've got some thoughts that I kind of would like to see the Revolution uh delve into on that one obviously we also re-signed uh, Dewan Jones and Brandon Bai I think they were both uh, really really good seasons Dewan Jones I think was probably the better out of the two performers although Brandon Bai I think he played pretty much almost every single game for the Revolution and kind of really cemented his place at right back um, probably through lack of options with Andrew Farrell moving into centre-back pairing obviously with uh, Delamere and uh, sometimes with Mancien and and so on, and Ali Barbar. But, um, yeah, I kind of felt he made it his own. He's definitely improved. I still don't feel he's the, the he's not obviously the finished article there at the moment. I'm hopefully, you know, hopeful, hope, hopefully hopeful that with a full season and a pre-season with Bruce Arena, it can really start seeing Brandon Bynard develop into a better all-rounded player. I think there's still a lot to be worked on with him, but, you know, you can see the raw potential is there. And I wouldn't say he had a terrible season. I wouldn't say he had, you know, a really strong season either. I think he just did kind of what he was asked to do. Um, and hopefully he can just build on that. Dewan Jones, another player obviously we re-signed, uh, 
opted to fill in at left back when we needed him. Very versatile player. And to be fair, I think he had some really, really good games. Again, he's got inconsistency issues, uh, but he's still young. He's still got a lot to learn, but I think he's a great piece to have. And uh, hopefully he can still cement a place in the Revolution uh, 11 as well. I'm sorry, not the Revolution 11, Revolution first team. And I look to see better and bigger things from him. Talking about left-backs, obviously we brought in uh, Alexander Butner on a town contract as well. Obviously formerly played uh, for Manchester United. I wasn't really too sure with this one. I was kind of, you know, I'm happy that we kind of got in on town. I really didn't want to waste a DP contract. No disrespect, obviously, towards Butner. But I don't think he's a, a player of a DP character uh, uh, you know, contract. So... I was really pleased to see that we brought him in a, a town contract. I do think he'll be a good suit for the Revolution. Uh, he's a very attacking fullback, I will say that though. So maybe that's what Bruce is going for. It's just good that we had an option there. Obviously, we lost uh, Edgar Castilla, which, you know, isn't really. I wasn't a on this. I think I had, uh, you know, from very early on last season when I was doing the podcast, I had a clip where I wasn't too sure on the whole situation of bringing in Castillo for Rowe. I wasn't, I didn't really like the kind of trade, but, you know, he filled a need of what we need there. Chris Tierney, the legend that he is, obviously retiring. We needed a left back. We brought in Castillo, hoping he'd fit in because Somi wasn't the right option for us. And we've just always seen to, since Chris Tierney's, you know, started slowing down a bit and we needed to bring in some other players. We've not really kind of, had an option there at left back. Castillo was thought to be the right option. He wasn't. It didn't work out. Now we've got Alexander, but now we've got Dewan Jones and we've also got another signing, which we'll touch on slightly uh, later as well as we're kind of trying to run in some kind of order here, guys. I've got some kind of structure, but it's it's going to go out the window. I know it will. Um, but it's good to see, obviously, Alexander Butner bringing in his experience, obviously playing at European level, different levels within Europe. But I'm, I'm, you know, I'm quite excited about it. Very, very pleased that we got him, as I said, on the TAM contract, and the fact that we didn't bring him in on the uh, designated player contract because that, that I do feel that slightly would have been a, uh, a slightly wasted contract. Obviously, uh, shoring up the defence was kind of an issue that I felt we needed to address. And obviously, then when I saw uh, Annie Barbar move to Nashville in the expansion draft, obviously didn't look to go and secure Annie Barbar's contract. I kind of kind of see why, uh, in a way. But you know, I, th- I think he's great to have around the camp, and I think he adds good experience and good versatility to the defence. But you know, it was it was. Uh, I kind of get it. I kind of got why he would. And I was very worried that he'd be one of the guys who got snapped up. He did get snapped up by Nashville, obviously leaving us short as well. So that means uh, that, uh, you know, that Andrew Farrell then moves back into maybe that centre-back partnership. But it still didn't leave us with a lot of options there. That means we'd have had uh, Andrew Farrell, Delamaya, and the very injury-prone Michael Mancian to kind of have as our uh, back line, really, which going into a season which is going to have a lot of games, a lot of minutes, didn't seem like enough to me. Um, and obviously the loss of uh, Annie Barbar was uh, one I wasn't really pleased about at the time, especially off the back of that, that we then re-signed Michael Mancian. And I was thinking, like, you know, he's still got a lot to live up for. He's look. He's took a pay cut, great, which he, he's never worth the money he was on to begin with. But it's still, to me, like, I wasn't overly over the moon when we first signed him. And I don't know, he this season really for me is his last one 
100%. If, if he doesn't start producing now, it's never going to happen. There's been times when I've called on uh, maybe Bruce to play him as a CDM because he's done that previously. It's kind of, I think, where he originally started out for Chelsea as a central defensive midfield player. So he's an option to play there. But again, I still still don't think he's probably a fit for that. But if we can get you know the old Michael Mancien of maybe four or five seasons ago, we can get them kind of levels of performance. He'll be a really, really good asset to us. But for me, I just don't feel it. Uh, we also then added a confusing move. Not confusing in the fact that we needed another goalkeeper because uh, obviously Cody Cropper has now left the club along with uh, uh, Zachary Haravo as well. And uh, Juan Casado as well as another player, which obviously is, uh, we didn't obviously offer to extend his loan option into a permanent deal. Um, we brought in Jeff Caldwell. Caldwell too, as the uh, Revolution fan base seemed to call him. Uh, well... We thought he brought in Jeff Caldwell. It now has been confirmed, guys. He is actually a member of the New England Revolution, but he was never really... We had the announcement that he never made the roster page of the Revolution website, and we, you know, it, it kind of didn't seem like it was done, and I wasn't really too sure. No one was really sure what happened, but Bruce Arena has confirmed that Jeff Caldwell is a New England Revolution player. So it's good to have another young goalkeeper on the book, especially, obviously, the, you know, Cody Cropper. Um uh, you're being released from his contract, not extending his option. Sorry, that's no, not released from his contract in, in MLS, is it? No, he just didn't, didn't offer him a new contract at the end of his uh, last one. So, uh, bringing in Jeff kind of made sense. You know, we always like to have three goalkeepers on the uh, as an option, so it was uh, good to see his addressing that situation. Coming on from that, obviously, um, I mentioned earlier, obviously, players that were released from the contract. We did obviously ex excise the contract options of eight players, which was uh, Ankin Bunbury, uh, Lewis Casado, uh, De La Maya, Diego Fundungas, Andrew Farrell, uh, Penia, and Wilfred Zahibo. Obviously, players already were locked into contracts were uh, Gustavo Boyo, uh, Gustavo Boyo, <laughs> that's a new name for him, Gustavo Boyo, uh, Buchanan, Calderwell, one, uh, Nicholas Firmino, Carlos Hill, um, Brad Knighton, Renix, and obviously, the now US men's national team camp hero that is Matt Turner. Uh, Juan Agadello was another player we did actually release from his contract or didn't extend his contract options. He has since then joined Toronto and now he's made his way to into Miami. Um, I think, you know, it's kind of probably actually quite a good fit, I feel, for Juan Agadello. I kind of wish him all the best. I really like Juan. Um, I think he's got potential to be a good player. Um, and I do think under, uh, under Brad, he was not utilised the right way. I felt under Bruce, we were getting somewhere. So kind of a little bit sad to see him go. And um, so I do think we were kind of starting to really start to see some of the potential that he had in his, in his play. But it just wasn't meant to be. Uh, obviously, we then obviously let go, as I mentioned earlier, um, Juan Casado, Eke Casillo, um, Brian Wright, and uh, Cody Cropper, and Zachary Haravo. We did actually release Michael Mancien from his contract, only then to obviously re-sign him in on a smaller contract, which I think was a quite a clever move. Wish we'd got him a little bit cheaper, not going to lie still. Um Good luck, to, obviously, to all the players who've been released from the contract. I'm sure the likes of Cody Cropper, Zachary Haravo, and uh, Brian Wright will have no problems with picking up a team. I think uh, Brian Wright's actually already gone to uh, Birmingham, who was on loan with last season. And then after kind of, you know, quite an eventful few days, uh, it was around about the um, 25th of November that uh, some big news came in. And uh, I think actually it was slightly before that, the, the big, big news was dropped, that the New England Revolution was going to have a second team. Uh, I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier about players playing for the Revolution too. 
This was huge. Um, this is not to be underestimated in any way, shape or form. I think this is a massive step forward for the revolution. And on the 25th of November is when we released uh, the information of our new manager, Clint. I don't know how to pronounce that second name. I think it's P, P, but I'm, I'm not sure. P, Pi. I'm really not too sure. So very apologetic for that one. Clint, but really, really looking forward to seeing what they can do in their first inaugural season in the USL League One. It's going to be interesting to see their roster moves as well, because obviously at the time of recording, we've now got four players. Um, and obviously very excited about one, Nicholas Rudworth, who I think will be a very, very good addition. And I think he will be very quickly fast-tracked to the revolution. Uh, first team. I think he's got some uh, really, really good talents and some of the revolution are are lacking a really, really good ball-playing defender who can get on the ball. Distribution's really, really good, solid at the back. Does all the defensive duties well, but can actually get on the ball and, and play. But yeah, really looking forward to seeing kind of what the revolution too can do. And it's going to be some really good, um, really good for the revolution going forward to just develop the youth as well and getting some good game time and also not just shipping them out to USL team that you know will have different philosophies different mindsets different mentalities this is going to be something that's going to fit into the mold of what the revolution is trying to do here and all under one roof you know using the same facilities all that kind of good stuff it's going to be really really good so as soon as they do step up to that MLS level that they know what the expectations of them are already. They know the system, they know the drills, they know everything, the culture and, and everything around them is exactly the same. Uh, it's just, it's, it is massive, I think. I think it's probably one of the biggest things that we've done in the off-season. Yes, the signings are great, you know, we've also got the training facility, £35 million training facility, which looks absolutely amazing, which is another great step forward. But I think this one, for me, the Revelation 2, could be the biggest one. If utilised properly, which I'm no, you know, under no illusion that it could fail, uh, but with the kind of board that we've got now and the leadership team there, I, I, I just got a really, really, really good feeling that this will be utilised in the right way, in the right manner. And as I said, if done correctly, could be massive. And uh, really looking forward, as I said, to see what they can bring. Then we had the return of Callum Rowe. Now, this was met with mixed you know, feelings over on the Twistersphere. Um, some players... Some players, some people like myself, were very happy with the return. Some people didn't see it as the right move forward. Um, and I get it. I do get it because, you know, towards the back end, he's, ne he's never really shone as much as I think he could do. But we've got to remember, he was a US men's national team player at one point. Bruce has seen something in him before. He knows that there's something there. And I'm just hoping now with a full preseason and a full season uh, obviously with Bruce at the helm, that we can start getting that old Callum Rowe back that we've seen glimpses of in the 2017-2018 uh, seasons. Because I think it could be a good piece. I don't think we'll see him start very much, to be fair honest, especially in the first few months. I don't think it'll be the starting piece. But as he starts developing, as he starts working under Bruce Arena and start understanding what is expected of him and the mentality that Bruce wants to him going forward, then I do think we'll start hopefully seeing the best of Callum Rowe. Um, because, yeah, I am... I'm a, a big fan of, of Callan. Um, obviously, we kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier, but then after, not long after the Callum Rowe signing, we obviously, 9th of December, another huge step forward for the revolution. The training centre opened. Obviously, we had uh, Robert and Jonathan Craft there. Kind of both remember that there is a, uh, a football club that they do, soccer club, sorry, that they do own. And to be fair, I kind of feel that they, they have put a little bit more 
time and investment into the club now. Obviously, thirty million pounds, thirty-five million pounds isn't anything to be thirty-five million dollars. Sorry, isn't anything to be scoffed at. Sorry if I say pounds; it's just what I'm used to. And uh, yeah, and obviously the fact that they've done that, they've brought in a, a third DP signing off, obviously at the back of signing uh, Gustavo Bow as well last season. So they are investing now. They are investing money. They've obviously brought Bruce in, which I imagine cost cost them a pretty penny. And they are they are investing in the team. And there keeps being this talk, and we've heard Bruce Arena very, very recently on other podcasts saying that, you know, they're, they're constantly in talks about a soccer-specific stadium, which is great news. Obviously, please, you know, don't take it that I'm not happy about that. It's just that we've heard it all before, and there's no point at the moment getting too excited until some actual facts come out. At the moment, it's just hearsay. We've had this hearsay before. Nothing's come to fruition. So, you know, please bear with us on that one. I, I, that's why I'm not getting excited. But the training centre looks absolutely amazing. It's really going to really going to help with the whole of the the revolution getting their own identity as a football team. Obviously, the fact of getting a, you know their own stadium will will further that and. You know, but the fact that we've made these steps now, these steps as so we've got the second team in place, we've got the training facility in place, hopefully we'll have the stadium in place in the next kind of year or two. It's really starting to hopefully make teams around us and, and hopefully players that, that understand that the revolution, we're not just the team that are going to be here and happy with medi- mediocrity anymore. We're here to challenge. This is, this is going to be the first season that, um, I feel going into it that we can, you know, I'm not saying we're going to be a champions this season by, you know, any stretch of imagination, but I really feel that some teams are going to start being, you know, a little bit scared of the revolution now when they, when they're coming to play at Gillette Stadium or even when we're going to their stadium and it's going to, hopefully the clubs around us are starting to take notice of us now. And, uh, I think this is a massive step forward. Uh, as I said, it looks absolutely amazing and, um, Really, really happy that the club have, have uh, and the crafts have invested into the club because I think it's definitely the right way forward. Then another returning player. This player I was before my time, unfortunately, as a Revolution fan. Uh, Seth Sinovic. Um, he, I think he spent like nine years at uh, nine years nine seasons at Sporting Kansas City uh, before returning to the Revolution. And yeah, another option at left back. We had not a lot of left footy players. Bruce addressed that very early on, said he wanted to bring some left footy players in. He fits the bill. Uh, his experienced left back is going to, you know, be vital to obviously have somebody of a decent caliber to give, uh, one, Duane Jones a little bit of experience within the league, kind of, you know, what to expect, that kind of thing is going to be great for him if we are going to utilize Duane Jones there, which I don't think we'll do probably now. We've got two left backs in place, but also to push Alexander Butner for that first team place because to be perfectly honest at the moment, I don't know who our starting left back would would be. You'd think it'd be Butner, but I don't think he's played very much recently. So, I mean, does Seth have the nod at the moment? I'm not too sure. Obviously, we've got pre-season coming up. That'll be the telltale sign of who's kind of there and thereabouts, who's fitting into the mould, who's fit, you know, all that kind of stuff. But at the moment, I don't think there is a first-choice left-back. We have two new left-backs in place and one person who can play left-back and, you know, had a decent back end towards the season into one Jones. So it's um, it's uh, very hard to call that one. I think it's going to be the 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 kind of hardest for anyone to, to, to name uh, especially going in before pre-season. I don't think anyone can give a prediction at the moment on who... Well, they can give a prediction, but it's based on nothing. Um, 
I mean, if you were to ask me at the moment, obviously I'd say Seth purely off of that. Uh, he's had more game time. He's played in the MLS. He kind of understands the league a little bit more. But that's what I'm going off. There's no, there's no other rhyme or reason behind it. We then had some massive news, guys. Our third DP signing, Adam Buska. Or Buxka. I don't know how you pronounce his surname. I probably should have uh, listened to how other people pronounce it before coming on the podcast. But that's not how we do things out here. As I mentioned at the start, guys, if you wanted professional podcasts, there's plenty of them out there. This is just some guy with a little few notes and a bit of paper. And uh, I just ramble, basically, for uh, for as long as I want. Um, Friday, Friday, was it a Friday? I've just made it up. No, I have wrote down Friday here. Uh, Friday, December the 20th, was the day. It was made official. There was murmurings going around for a while. We all kind of knew something was happening. There was loads of speculation. Obviously, the uh, classic Mazit Ozil speculation. Thank you to Sean Sweeney for that one. Uh, came out and about again. Everyone thinking we're going to sign Mazit Ozil. Um, I haven't seen him. I think Peter Crouch was named as well. I don't know why he's retired. But yeah, lots of weird and wonderful ones coming out. A few people were kind of on the right kind of tracks the kind of players that I thought we'd be bringing in um, not going to lie do not know anything about this player again other than what I've seen over on social media and on YouTube but he does look very very exciting and when you actually search around uh, and look for what other people have wrote about him especially people who've seen him play who know a lot about the Polish uh, footballing system he is a very exciting up and coming prospect and uh, people have said that he is built in a similar mould to uh, Robert Lewandowski obviously you know, a prolific goal scorer in the Bundesliga and for Poland and uh, obviously that in itself is quite exciting um but it is it's if you can adapt and you know play the way that Bruce really wants to play um the pleasing thing for me is obviously one first of all he's age 23 as well he's nowhere near his prime we've got lots of time to work with him can really start molding him into the player that we kind of you know need and want him to be while working towards the player's strengths and working on his weaknesses as well but you know i think he scored like something like 22 goals in 52 appearance uh for his uh over a season and a half of his last club over in poland and uh yeah he's he's got really good like long distance shooting as well um he's i think he's strong on it i think he's a left footed striker but he's as strong on his right as he's on his left so it's good to see we've got a player who can hit the ball with both because that has been a slight issue sometimes where someone like christian panier cuts in and he always tries to opt out with his stronger foot and it's like no just you know sometimes being what so one-sided on your on your foot is is a hindrance um so it's good to see that we've got a striker who can kind of just hit as well uh, on on his left and his right, and um, I am excited about this one. As I said, his, his age is, is one. The fact that I think he's about eighth on the depth chart at the moment for Poland at such a young age, with what he's got in front of him as well, the talent in front of him is is pleasing to hear. And I just you know hope that kind of he hits the ground uh, running and clicks well with the players. He's always spoke very very highly of the club and he generally looks really excited of being here you know which is quite really pleasing to see for a 23 year old who probably you know could stay in Europe and, and potentially get a good move somewhere else to kind of believe in kind of what we're doing here at the New England Revolution and seem genuinely happy to be signed and be part of what this club is becoming is is massive for um for the club and Going forward, you know, a sign of intent, I think, for the club. Um, we then brought in another player. I know this has been crazy. This has been absolutely ridiculous. The revolution before, I mean, this has nearly been half of our, of me just talking about players coming in so far. Um, so thank you for anyone who's still here. And if you are still here, you are absolute legends. Um, yeah, we, uh, we kind of addressed that Ali Barbar going out. 
situation and me being worried about our defensive frailties um, in the fact that we signed uh, Samba Kamara. Again, not going to lie, don't know anything about this player at all. I've watched one or two snippets about him. He looks okay. He looks okay. Um, I'm not sold on it at the moment, but it's good to have another depth piece there. I'm not too sure what we're kind of expecting from him. He's going to be a. He, he's, I'm presuming he's been brought in to be a first team player. Really, he's he's, he's not brought in to sit, to sit on a bench. I think he's basically been brought in to push the players to become better. Because really, at the moment, you're probably thinking without that signing, you are looking realistically at Andrew Farrell and Delamaya as a you know, as our centre-back partnership. And then, you know, that's not going to be dislodged. So now they've got another player in there, they've got to start really upping their performances because they know that the one guy who's not the guy who's playing, because Manson will probably be injured, is the guy who's going to be chomping at the bit to get into that first team. So it's good to have another option there. Hopefully you can, again, like uh, um, Butska, hit the ground running and kind of fit into the mould here. Uh, you know, the fact that he's played in League 2, uh, with uh, Le Havre is, uh, means he's, you know, of good quality at least. You know, he's, he's, he's a decent quality, uh, from what I've read of his stats and stuff. He does seem like a good all-round defender. Hopefully we can kind of develop in, him into kind of what we need here at the Revolution. Um, the, the one thing I would say from, uh, what we've got at the moment in the Revolution is we don't really have what I mentioned earlier. What we have in Nicholas Woodruff is a ball-playing defender. We have people who are good at defending the ball. Um, not maybe so good at set piece defending, but you know they're they're good at their defensive duties. Um, but uh, no one can actually get on the ball and, and make us play out from the back. Um, so that's kind of quietly concerning. Um, but uh, that could have also been addressed in some other things, which we're going to touch on now. The super draft. Now I'm going to kind of have a little bit of a ramble here about the draft first of all, and the the. the the kind of what my thoughts are on the draft and then obviously we'll talk about kind of the revolutions um dealings within the 2020 draft now i see a lot of people on twitter especially obviously as of yesterday uh talking about the draft and how pointless it is and and you know that there's no need to don't know why we do this anymore it's it's pointless and they should scrap the idea now, I kind of, I kind of get why people would be saying that because the fact is that, you know, it's very rare that anything comes out of the, um, draft of, of, you know, that's, that becomes a superstar. It hasn't happened in a while. You know, it has turned out some great, great players, obviously, lots of Clint Dempsey, Josie Altador and stuff. It has got, you know, Jack Harrison now, obviously, at my team in the League United's having an amazing season for us, probably his best. He had a, he had a good season last season, but this season he's absolutely, uh, killing it in the, in the championship. But, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't always bring out these, you know, world beaters as kind of what people think it's going to be. So people are now started saying, you know, it's pointless. There's no, no reason to do it anymore. But for me, it's actually one of the main reasons why I actually started watching uh, MLS. The whole reason why I decided that I wanted a, to start watching MLS wasn't because I was bored of being a Leeds fan. I mean, you know, it, it is hard work being a Leeds fan. I'm not going to lie. But it wasn't because I was bored of, of my team here in England or, or anything like that, really. Um, the reason was because if I'm perfectly honest, I actually played it on Football Manager. I, I've just looked at the league and I thought, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to pick 
pick MLS because I kept hearing that it's got different rules and it's it's completely it's nothing the same. And to be perfectly honest, I was so confused the first time I played it. Um, I think I took over. I think I took over as the Galaxy because it's the team that I knew most players of. And but I was so confused with the whole thing that I just didn't. I just I actually stopped after. Um, I, I don't even think I started this season because I was like, "What the hell is going on here?" I was restricted by all these rules. I couldn't. There's like, I was thinking, "There's no way I'm going to be able to make this team any good." It just, you know, there's, I'm not going to be able to keep up with, um, you know, becoming this amazing club because I've got so many rules and restrictions in place. So I gave up. I gave up, like I, I, I do with most things that I start. Um, but. Uh, but then I kind of started to read into it. I thought, you know what, actually, I want to kind of understand. If I understand maybe the rules and everything, then I can work within them and, and, and go back to it. So I booted up another save. This is in 2015 on Football Manager. I think it was. Yeah, no, it must have been. Uh, chose the Noonan Revolution. And I'm being honest with you. The reason why I originally first picked the Noonan Revolution was I like the kit. <laughs> I liked their kit, uh, I like the colours, and I like the kit. I thought, you know, and like, I love the badge, I love the, the name. I was like, this is, you know, how American can you get? Um, so yeah, picked the Revolution. Obviously, got to know and love some of the players like Lee Wynn, Callum Rowe, Diego Mundungas, uh, Agadello, all that kind of, you know. And then started reading into the, the club more and and. Um, Reading about the, the, the obviously the rules and regulations around MLS, and that's what drew me to it. The draft was the main thing. Yes, I know it's not as exciting as it could be, and this year's was a bit of a train wreck. I do like the whole sitting in the room and seeing the players, you know, walk up to the stand and that kind of. I don't know. For me, that's better. I think that's a better format um, than just having these home Skype calls and that kind of rubbish. But I love it, and I know there's not you know going to be all these amazing stars coming. But what is the harm in doing it? What is the harm in the draft? There is absolutely no harm in it at all. The clubs are drafting players that they think could be become, you know, very, very good players. There's very, very little money involved in terms of the contract that the players get offered. So it's not like the clubs are wasting, you know, hundreds of thousands of uh, of dollars. It's um, and at the end of the day, you could get a very good, you know, very, very good player, or you could get a player who just adds a good depth to good de- uh, depth piece to your squad. So I don't think, you know, I, I, and it's, 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 for me, it's, if I was a young soccer player in America and I knew if I performed well in my collegiate career and did well at the draft and then could be drafted by an MLS team, that is a huge, huge drive. I think it can, it can easily be utilised better. I think there's, there's definitely, it needs to be, I don't, I just don't think they should get rid of it. I think it just needs to be worked on. I think it is definitely the right route to get players into, you know, soccer. I think the fact that now that more teams are starting to have a second team, I think it is the right thing to do because, you know, if they're not ready for MLS level, at least they can go out to the USL team and get some minutes under their belt. Some people are saying, you know, they're probably better at just playing uh, collegiate football for another year or so and then entering the draft. That might be the right way. That's up to the player then to kind of decide like what is for them. But the fact that they could win an MLS contract for for their performances, I think is a massive incentive. And I think if tweaked and worked on slightly better, I think it could, it's, it could be massive for, for MLS. So, you know, I, I don't think I'm not on the bandwagon of getting rid of the, the draft. And to be fair, you know, we'll touch on this now. Talking about the draft, I think the Revolution had a pretty good draft this year around. Um, obviously, we had you know 
Uh, was he at 2018? We've got Brandon Bay and Mark Segbers. Uh, Brandon Bay is our starting right back now. I think that was a good, good find. You know, he's not going to be a world beater, and you know, under no illusion here, but I think he's a very, very good MLS player. Uh, Mark Segbers, um, I'm not really too sure where he ended up now. I know, obviously, I think he was at, is it Kansas City's, uh, Kansas City's second team? I think it was. Is it Swope Park? I think. I'm not sure. Apologise if that was incorrect information. I've not looked it up. I've not written anything down. That's how prepared I am. Um, and then last year, obviously, we had uh, Buchanan and uh, Dewan Jones. Both really good players. Dewan Jones, obviously, getting a good few minutes uh, this uh, last coming season. Uh, Buchanan, for me, I think he deserved a little bit more. Um, but I get it. I do get it. But I do think he's a talented player. Um, I'm glad we kind of kept him around. I do think we'll probably utilise him uh, throughout the season. I think he'll switch between the Revolution 2 and the Revolution uh, team. But I'm uh, yeah really, really happy with kind of what we've done over the last... You know, that's three three decent players and three players that... I mean, Dewan Jones, I mean, Brandon Byers said played every game I think it was last season or practically every single game so I don't know how that can't be value for money um, yes as I said he's not a player that's going to set well at the moment he's not a player that's going to set the world alight but who knows under the right coaching and go, go, uh, leadership he could become uh, an MLS all-star um, we've then got obviously Duane Jones and you know Buchanan three very very good uh, pieces to have I think in, in the locker room of an MLS club but we're talking about 2020 and uh, I mentioned earlier about uh, Nick Woodruff and how, how he's a good ball-playing defender. And I think he'd be a good option to us, hopefully having and adding as a piece in the Revolution first team. However, we've also then signed in our sixth pick in the MLS 2020 draft, a youngster called Henry Kessler. Now, again, I don't really look. I look and read into a little bit about, about the top 20 players. I think it's normally reading uh, about... Obviously, he was one of them because he was, I think he was uh, always drafted around the kind of, uh, you know, fourth to, to ninth, I think he was placed in a lot of the, the drafts that I read upon him. Um, to be perfectly honest, I don't, I didn't think he was going to get him. I, I thought he was going to go like, you know, quite early on. I thought he'd, I've actually, I actually thought he'd be, uh, Miami's second pick. So I thought it would go, um, uh, what's his name? Dyke. I thought they would have picked Dyke first of all. Then Nashville would have picked up uh, Robinson. Then I thought um, yeah, Kessel would have went to Miami in their third pick. So I was kind of really glad that when he went fast past the fourth and the fifth pick, and I was thinking, oh, because he he is a player that when I would have watched his his tape and stuff, and when I read, read up on him, he is he's a big big lad, um, good speed as well, really really good defending, very very fast. Something we need at the back, and he can also play with the ball at his feet. I was like, if this lad, if we can get him, and again, if he just fits and clicks in really really quickly, this could be a very 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 good signing for the Revolution, and one that I'm really really excited about. So. I think, um, from what I've uh, heard afterwards, that Bruce said that he was always there, there was always their pick. Didn't think they was going to get him, um, to be perfectly honest, because they thought he'd go higher as well. He didn't, and they were very excited um, that obviously he was still around at the secret because they did actually try to trade up to ensure that we got him. Couldn't get that done. Um, so really, really pleasing to see that even when it came around to us, we didn't waste any money. We still actually got the player we were looking to get. We then it came around to our pick, which the next one was the 13th pick. We took a timeout, so we were wondering what was going on here. Um, we weren't too sure. We didn't know if we were looking to... We're all presuming it's going to be a trade of some kind, but did it involve a player? Who was it from and to? All that kind of good stuff. 
Um, we picked up some money from uh, from uh, Nashville for our 13th overall pick. Uh, I think it's $50,000 in general allocation uh, money with a potential conditional $50,000 in allocation money. From what I've read, I think it's going to work out to, to, to £75,000 worth of allocation money. Um, but I still, I'm still not 100% sure on the whole Gam and Tam situation i know what they both are but i don't i think to, to me see gam is the the worst you can't do as much with that one whereas the the tam money is the yeah i don't know we've got some money in the bank so you know and i don't think we're looking to pick anything up from the the, the players that i think from the players that we wanted that were left on on the list i'm presuming we thought that we'd be okay to hold them out until the second round um but again, I don't know what was going on beyond the scenes. Uh, the second round, obviously, we had the fourth pick, so we were quite early on in the second round, and um, we uh, we picked up another defender. This one is more versatile. I think he's more of a right-back, so he's going to be offering some competition finally, So we're going to be playing Andrew Farrell, which I'm presuming we are going to be playing more as a centre-back this season again. That we do need somebody really pushing on Brandon Byer for position, which is where I can see this guy really adding a bit of depth to the actual team now. And I do think he'll be, you know, he'll be there and thereabouts. So I don't think this one player will be a player that will loan straight out to the Revolution 2 team, because I think, uh, depending on how he fits into the team, obviously if he's not, not to the level, but I do think he'll be around the camp especially pushing Brandon by for that position. Uh, his name is Simon Lech... I don't know. Le- Lech Resner. I'm terrible with names. Simon Lech Resner. I apologise. Uh, from the University of California, I can say that part. And yeah, as I said, he was our fourth round pick, 30th overall. Um, again, obviously, I've only seen what was the little clip that, that they put out afterwards. Yeah, he looks really good. I do think, again, he... Um, it, to be fair, if I'm going to be honest, he he, he reminds me of Brandon Boy in his, his in his play. I'm not going to lie; he looks like he fits that mould. So obviously, uh, Bruce must be happy with kind of how Brandon's game has developed and seen the potential that we could develop this player into someone who fits the exact same role and mould that we want to be playing at right back. So yeah, I do think this one is is another decent uh, pick up by the Revolution. As I said, I do think he may hang around. Uh, the first team a little bit more so than I don't know how it works. I believe obviously we've got to have the space on the roster to incorporate him, but I do believe that we can loan to and from as freely as we want to throughout the season, as long as the roster spots are available in each uh, squad respectively. Um, which I imagine you know. So with him, I, th- I think it's basically we've made we will be we're making space because realistically, um, I suppose we don't really have a viable option other than. We could obviously move uh, Andrew Farrell back out to um, to right back, and then you know we could obviously have uh, options at centre back because I know that Simon can play centre back as well, and obviously we you know we've got we've got Kessler as well now. Who who knows? Who knows what's going to be happening? But I think the reason why he's been brought in is to add a, a little bit more depth at our right back positioning. And then with our seventeenth pick in the seventh in the second round, uh, I think it was forty third overall over here, and we picked up a goalkeeper in uh, Keegan Mayer. Now this one surprised a few people because the pick after this one uh, was our um, kind of player who's currently on the books of the academy, and I apologise because I haven't wrote his name down, but I know that he went to Orlando. And some people were thinking, like, why didn't we sign? You know, he's already part of our academy, so he already kind of knows what we're about. Why didn't we sign him? 
when we signed another goalkeeper. Um, and from what I've read up, that this goalkeeper was the second uh, on most people's draft for goalkeeping options that were actually available during the draft. So the fact that we got him this low down, I think, was probably quite a surprise that he was still left to be picked at this point. So, And the fact that we like to have uh, three goalkeepers on our books probably led to that decision because we've got a second team now. There's going to have to be a first-choice goalkeeper for that team. I'm presuming the guy that we've let go to Orlando wasn't as good or we didn't see as much potential as what we've seen in this guy here. So, but I don't know. Other than that, this is all speculation. I'm pleased to have him on board. I'm pleased to have as many players and options we've got on board as possible. So overall, as I said, I think it's it's been a really, really successful um, draft this year. And I'm uh, really, really pleased with it. So I think long live the draft. Tweak it a little bit. Don't do what you did this year with the stupid schools. But other than that, uh, yeah, really, really pleased. Right, let's uh, move on, shall we? Hey guys, I'm very mindful that I've been pretty much rambling for far too long now. Uh, we are going to be very shortly wrapping up today's episode, which I'm sure most of you will be pleased about. Just going to touch on a few little things. Obviously, um, there's the e-side of MLS as well, which our boy uh, John has been representing us. He's doing uh, pretty well at the moment. Unfortunately, he didn't make it through to the, the knockout stages. Um, you know, he had some tough, tough games. You know, I think uh, John Oliveira, can, we can all be very proud of him. He's he's definitely, I, I can see that he's improved from watching some of the highlights and stuff of his games. You can see he's, he has improved from last season. So that's good to see. So, uh, yeah, well done to John. Thank you for obviously representing us so well. Make sure you play and play uh, Carlos Hill and Gustavo Bow a little bit more next time. I think that, that, was, that was your downfall. That was not having your two boys on the pitch. But uh, thank you to John and uh, say good luck with all the, the rest of the tournaments you got throughout the year. So prediction time. Now I'm not going to go out on a limb here and start predicting the starting lineups because realistically it's too far away. Players get injured. Players hit form at different times. We've got a whole preseason in front of us. We don't know what's going to happen. If there's any more movement in the transfer market, I think we're probably about done. We might see one more, two if we're very lucky, but maybe one more piece. But I, I really think we're probably done now. So which is really really great to obviously be hitting preseason with all the pieces in place. I think the only three players we can probably name that are, are guaranteed starters, maybe four at a push, is uh, Matt Turner in goal. You then got Carlos Hill and Gustavo Bow, and you could probably throw in Andrew Farrell there as a starter in some position on the pitch as well. But other than that, really, I don't think you can guarantee anyone else a starting position in the eleven at the moment. I mean, you're presuming we're going to put our DP signing in, but if he doesn't fit right from the off, you know, you might have to spend a little bit of time on the bench. But who knows? We've got a whole preseason uh, ahead of us to kind of get that all done. Just, and I'm sure Bruce and the team over there will do what is necessary. But prediction-wise, all I'm going to do is give a very loose prediction of where I think the Revolution will finish this season already, based on absolutely no information other than what we've done and kind of obviously knowing what other clubs in and around us have done in the transfer market so far. So with all that said and done, based on the back of last season, and what I think, you know, we'll do this preseason. I think we've still got a whole season of really gelling under Bruce Arena and really, really understanding kind of what it is that he wants from us. Hopefully, they've got a really good mindset now of what to expect and what their expectations are uh, of them. But I still feel that, you know, it's going to take us another half a season to really, really kick on now. And then I think, you know, towards the middle of the season, that's when we'll kind of start showcasing what we can do as a club. Hopefully, I'm wrong and hopefully we'll hit the ground running. 
Um, I think playoffs are guaranteed this season. I know that Sionbite's going to come back and haunt me, uh, but I think it's guaranteed this season. Are we going to win the MLS Cup? No, I don't, we're not going to win. We're not ready just yet. Not ready just yet. But the hype is real. This season is going to be amazing. I think we're going to see some really, really good uh, soccer from New England. I think we're going to have some exciting times, some exciting games. We're going to get to the playoffs. Realistically, you know, if we get to the playoffs finals, for me, that being a huge, huge achievement and just shows the people the intent we've got, especially with the kind of limitations we've been working with over the last few seasons, it will be absolutely massive to show that, you know, realistically, a small club if, if in the in the grand scheme of things of what people have been spending over the last few years, we, we haven't been spending anywhere near that amount of money. And, uh, you know, a team that's always going to be in the shadows of the Patriots, it, it's hard to kind of get your own identity. But I do feel that, that that's what Bruce Arena has been brought in to do. And I am really pleased to see that the fact that things are starting to kick in place. And I do think this 2020 season is going to be massive. And as I said, I'm predicting that we are guaranteed a playoff spot in this season. But that is as far as my predictions shall go. That's all they're getting out of me so far so now guys as i said i have rambled for far too long and if you've managed to get to this point in the recording then thank you thank you so much um hopefully i'll try and keep them in the kind of half an hour to 40 minutes mark next time round. although i don't think i'm too far over this time a little bit of editing here and there but anyway guys if you have enjoyed this one then uh, please be sure to uh, subscribe follow or whatever it is wherever you're listening to this i'm not too sure where this will be uploaded to at the moment um and if you've got any suggestions then please let me know over on um twitter it's at any uk over on twitter give me a follow and let me know kind of where you listen to your podcast and where you'd like me to upload it to and i'll try to figure out how to do that i'm still not amazing with all this podcast stuff obviously thank you to the guys over at mls uk show for sponsoring me this year that's uh massive for me and it's uh obviously uh good to see the whole mls uk community coming together as one and uh yeah thank you guys for for sticking with me and, and putting up with this rubbish you know me me putting out stupid tweets and rambling for God knows how long on, on your on your team. You know, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I am part of the team now. I do feel as Matt like you know, I am part of the community because you guys are so welcoming and supportive. And uh, yeah, but it's, you know, I'm borrowing, I, I felt as, you know, I was borrowing your team to begin with as, as uh, realistically. But now, yeah, I do feel part of the family and part of the community. And I thank you all for, for allowing me in. Uh, talking about supporting me, um, it's awkward as always. Um, I have set up a Patreon, um, the, the link is over on, uh, it's on my pinned tweet over on Twitter. Um, if you just search any of UK over on Patreon, you'll find it. Um, it's four dollars a month if, if you wish to just, you know, as a way saying thank you. All it does is goes back into the podcast for the, the hosting costs and that kind of stuff as well. So it's just money put back into the, um, the podcast for hopefully better equipment one day so it doesn't sound as bad. Um, so I can produce better quality content for you guys as well as you know not just the podcast maybe some bits on YouTube uh, and I say most of it goes on hosting at the moment as well because obviously you know you kind of have to pay unfortunately to put podcasts out these days on hosting sites uh, if you want to do anything longer than five seconds long or something so yes if you do wish to do that then um, thank you uh, do not feel like you have to uh, you will not lose out on anything content will always be free you guys it's just a way of um showing your support for the podcast and uh, let me know if you want me to continue doing it so uh 
Thank you guys so much. Uh, hopefully I'll catch you next week. We'll have a little bit more news from the Revolution Camp. If we don't have anything coming out of the Revolution Camp, I have got another episode planned as well where I'm going to give my thoughts on the whole state of the American football system and uh, especially the men's national team, which is a nice topic. Very you know, non-controversial. I'm sure I won't get anything uh, headed towards me for that one. <clears throat> yes, that's going to be nice and interesting. But anyway, guys, thank you very much for the support over the last year. Hopefully 2020 is going to be a massive year for the revolution. And I'll catch you guys next time for the next one. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? Any Rex UK. All things revolution from a UK perspective.